Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to Smashbox TV Podcast 446. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, alongside Johnny V. Getting closer to retirement, Terry. Gosh, every week. And interestingly enough, today, now that I've been home from Bend for all of, I don't know, 20 some hours, (laughs) I thought to myself, self, I could use a little bit of a break. I'm not one, certainly (laughs) Nate and Val and I talked about it this weekend, I'm not one to necessarily take a vacation. I wouldn't mind if things slowed down, and thankfully they're going to. I don't have... The next few weeks, you've got, you know, you're not involved with the Open at Austin. You, I am not, but you, then I go you know. to back-to-back events in Florida, and then after that, uh, I think I run a tournament, and then the weekend after that, we have back-to-back events, the Champions Cup, along with the Jonesboro Open, which means back-to-back weekends out in Bend, Oregon. So, yeah, it's right back at it. Just You're saying you need a little vacation. I I don't know vacation. I'm just ready for things to slow down. But yet I literally created a to-do list because I have so many things I want to take care of. And forgot I... In fact, I think I forgot of something that's actually time sensitive for today yet. So I may do that here and zone out on you for a minute. But uh, no, that's yeah. fine. That, that's totally fine, Terry. Last week we talked real quickly about um, uh, <laughs> my new blender. Yeah, we did. We did, and we really got, mixed it up. We mixed it up. I got some messages from people asking. Uh-huh. The model number that they've been looking for oh, a blender. Bro, give out the affiliate code. I don't have an affiliate code. <laughs> but I did promise something last week, yes, Terry. You did. Make it happen. Uh oh. All right. Uh oh. Pulling from behind the curtain. From behind the curtain. Uh oh. I am ready. I am ready. I I made Terry Miller a malt. Oh, that's a pretty... I mean, I'm, I'm not one to look it's, at gift horse in the mouth, but... It's a small malt. This is... A, I've done shots off of you, I think, that are bigger than... <laughs> I, <laughs> Wait, that sounds weird. The, uh, you're not wrong. You. You're not thank wrong. Thank you. I, well, I could have given you the whole thing, but I split it. So <laughs> well, I give you a little cheers, malt. Cheers. You. Cheers to we'll the see, malt. We'll see it's a this, chocolate malt. We'll see how I literally made works. it moments ago, which yeah, is why we're yeah. a couple seconds late. 
Not too shabby. Not right. too shabby. I, I added extra malt mix because I know you love the malt mix, Terry. It'll do. It'll do. Thank you. You're Thank welcome, you. Terry. I'm going to go blend up mine. Once we're done with the show at 2 or 3 a.m., then I'll go mix up some more stuff in your house. Just go blend it. Let's just start the start thing, that blender up. Those blenders are loud. Well, speaking of blenders, someone who came out of the Waco Beast Blender in perfectly intact this weekend by getting it done on the final round. Of course, he had two great rounds to get him even in contention, but then got all the way through on Sunday in dramatic fashion doing what Waco is supposed to do and then some... Our champion from the Waco Annual Charity Open, none other than Kyle Klein. You, Hello, everybody. Kyle, do you have a malt? Do you have a malt, Kyle? I I do not. Well, I mean, well, so I'm the winning sorry. stopped two days ago, then. That's what you're telling us. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we, we might as well ask right away. Yeah. Are you a malt guy or a shake guy? I don't, I can't recall if I've even never had a malt. Ooh, Kyle, so many know. things, my you, young man. So young. So well, next time things. you go to like an ice cream place or like a fast food joint on the road, and you're just like, "All right, we're gonna settle for something." Order a malt instead of a shake. You'll now, you'll to, think. Right. To be fair, though, yeah. sometimes you'll be disappointed because a lot of times you go in. Well, <laughs> sell them. You'll go into places and they won't offer a malt. That's They'll true. Just, they just have shakes. That's true. And they don't have the mm. malt mix. But that's for another podcast, I another see. day. So I what see. again? Excuse my ignorance. What's the difference between a malt and a shake? <laughs> no, it's the, it's okay. The malt has an extra, <clears throat> like powder. usually a powder they put into it that changes the flavor just okay. a little bit. Yeah. Okay. 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 So I, I, I will follow up then and ask because this is the hard hitting questions we do here on Smashbox. What was the the dinner and celebra- celebratory dinner or food or dessert of choice that you had on Sunday night or Monday? What was the treat? Uh, Sunday, I guess. I think me and some friends we went out to. You ever had cheddars? There's cheddars everywhere. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're everywhere, but. But okay, yeah, we've gotcha. seen them. Cheddars are good. Yeah. Cheddars are Five good. Or six yeah. of us were just out. I got a good steak. It was pretty good. Mm. Is there an obligation or an odd sense of of Hey, bro, you just won seventy five hundred dollars plus a scooter plus a sweet trophy plus some specially dropped release discs? Is is that mm. dinner then assumed to be on you or not necessarily? Or does everybody still take care of themselves? More than more than likely, uh, most of the time it's kind of like. You just won. You got this, right? <laughs> to be to be fair, it's it's a long standing tradition amongst our group. Winner winner buys dinner. Yeah, that's always you know. But usually, yeah. we're not going to Cheddar's and getting malts. We were kind of hitting like Burger King or fast food on the way home <laughs> yeah. from whatever tournament you were at. So we were winning three hundred dollars. Yeah, because seventy five. Yeah, when we won, it was like, oh, cool, you yeah. won three. So you know, scales are relative. All right. So of course, congratulations. And I was talking to you just Thank before you. we jumped on live that. Now there's so many more obligations. Of course, we've been around as as old as we are. We've been around a long time. But now you're getting hit up probably constantly for the last few days to join a pod, a lot of podcasts, maybe a few articles. Does that overwhelm yeah. you at all? I mean, yes and no. Just, I guess, I don't know. Ever since that, there's been a lot of stuff going on, just trying to figure out and whatnot like that. But also I see it as a good opportunity to kind of just get myself out there and do something I haven't done much. So, Yeah, and I think about um, you're not overly 
you don't overpost by any means. Nobody's ever like, oh man, I wish this, I'm going to mute Kyle. He posts way too much on social media. <laughs> Nobody would say that. Um, so just in general, do you consider yourself somewhat of an introverted person? I definitely think so. That's kind of, kind of been that way my whole life. Okay. But uh, I'm working on, I'm working on getting myself out there. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of, in general, disc golfers aren't necessarily naturally outward spoken. You know, I've, we've seen it coming in. Ricky was the same way when he first came on the scene. He, he just, he wasn't comfortable in front of cameras. He didn't necessarily want to be in front of cameras. It's something he grew to um, be much better at. And actually, I think enjoy at some point when he started putting out his own videos and, and, and things of that nature. So I don't think necessarily think there's anything to be yeah, ashamed of wrong. With yeah. It. Nothing wrong with it's it. Just, just a, everyone's different. Some people are natural like Simon. I think Simon was born with a camera in his hand. Yeah. So as weird as that is. Probably. So, uh, so what have you been? Let's talk a little bit about what what have you been preoccupied with the last few days? How much travel, uh, you know, media stuff, practice? What, what's, what's been preoccupying for the last day and a half? Uh, let's see. Yesterday we were still in Temple. That's not too far from here. We were getting, Cynthia and I were upgrading our phones. So we spent pretty much all day, unfortunately, doing that. Which shouldn't it shouldn't take seven hours, uh, but no. it somehow did. <laughs> it somehow did. So uh, most of our day was occupied with that. That's pretty much it, honestly. When we did that yesterday, then this morning drove here, got a practice round in, and then we've just been just been here. So uh, before we get into kind of recapping the weekend, talk to us a little bit about your practice round. This is a new course on the tour. Uh, I'm not personally working it, nor is Johnny, so we're, we don't know it intimately. What are what are some of your initial thoughts? Give us your uh, your take on the brand new course that we're going to see this weekend. It's, uh, let's see, it's interesting. I don't know if a lot of people love it. Some people might. I personally am not a massive fan of it, just because uh it ha- it wasn't like beta tested by any other like pros before it got put out and there wasn't like any other tournaments or at least to my knowledge. So it's kind of, it's like a fresh thing that everyone's seeing for the first time. And I don't know if it's exactly what, I don't know if it's going to do exactly what the course designers intended for it to do, but I'm not sure. I only have one round. Uh, yeah. And so. uh, for those that haven't, or maybe haven't looked at the caddy guide, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of OB out here. It's a golf course. Yeah. Um, a lot yeah. of fairways that are lined to OB. Usually one side is, you know, a string OB. The other side is kind of a woods OB on a lot of holes. It's not the longest course in the world. It's only about 8750 or something along that. So right around what Waco yeah. is, but uh, the, the, the short holes, I wouldn't say, you're not carving lines and fairways, but there's there's quite a few gaps. There's a few double mandos. There's yeah. like you have to hit some lines. A lot of 350 foot shots and then the longer ones, the lo- the further you go, it seems like the more they're trying to penalize you uh, and with OB. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I definitely think so. It definitely a lot of holes are definitely like two specific shot par fours where it's not like you not like most golf courses where you can throw it anywhere and just get up and down. It's like they want you to be in this specific spot and throw this shot to get to them, to get to any pin. I know this is kind of a big question in the sense that you only have seen it once, but what what do you think will be hot scores? When, when it's all said and done, whether it's per round or total, what do you kind of just assume it's going to take to win out there? 
I mean, if it's windy, if, it, if the wind picks up at all with how much OB and how long it is, I feel like a hot like score for one round will be like five, five, wow. six, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah, there's this, if it gets wind, like it wasn't that windy today, but I can see it getting windy and it's just going to be tough. So I think I shot four today blind, which I wasn't too, too mad at, but I definitely didn't play great. Okay. Yeah, there's definite birdie holes that you have to get out there, the 350-foot shots, and then you just, on some of the par fours, you just have to take a par almost. I mean, there are birdie opportunities if you, if you hit it right, but the the, the the greens are lined by OB and the fairways are lined by OB, so you really need to be on your game. And so he's right. Any wind is going to push you left or right, You're, and it's a golf course, so things could get skippy. Yeah, it's going to be tough. What's kind of the situation in yeah. terms of it being a golf course? Is it an active golf course where where there were some golfers out there on a different half of the course today, or is this no longer uh, an in-use golf course? What's kind of the situation? Do you know? Well, it's still. I think it's still an active golf course. I mean, there was. I think there was like some kids class or something out there because there was a bunch of kids out there on the driving range today in some. I think it was a clinic or a class or something. But okay. They weren't, they weren't in the way, but they were just, they were out there. Sure. Um, and, and I don't know how in depth you guys got over it, but, uh, is there a quick take that Cynthia had from the FPO perspective when she played out there today or assuming she played out there today? Not, yeah, she did. Not that, nothing that really I couldn't see. It was kind of the same thing. It was just like the flow is like a little strange. Like some of the walks to the holes are like through other, like around other holes and like long walks to next holes and the flow is just a little. A little weird. Okay. Awesome. Well, I mean, of of course, excited to see what it's going to look like this weekend. A brand new course on the tour. Uh, Obviously, a ton of money needs to be added. A a huge collaboration with all of the people, all the sponsors, everything else in order to even make it happen. Now, let's backtrack just a little bit into last weekend's event at Waco. You know, more than ever, it feels like the conversation is and was, we love Waco because anything is possible. Is it, you you won off the chase card? You shot the incredible last round, uh, and of course it was very tight. But is that how would you describe that event? If you were kind of explaining to someone that doesn't know much about the tournament scene, how would you break down Waco? It's I mean I feel like it's a pretty classic like a like a nine holes wood nine holes in the open. You just gotta have you gotta have all types of shots. Like you, I get you can't really just be good at one or the other, and uh, it definitely it definitely feels more of a sprint than a uh, than an endurance tournament. Okay, uh, and again, being the shortest course on the year on the MPO side for the entire year, does it feel short to you? I mean, knowing there's a 213 footer and a couple that are 267 or 297, does it feel short to you? It definitely feels short, like. Coming, going to there, especially from Vegas, where like after a round at Vegas, I was, <laughs> I was like, I need a nap. I'm tired. And then after one round at Waco, it's like you get done. You're like, it wasn't too bad. Like it's again not long. It's not super demanding. So, or well, demandingly like long and filled with distance. But so knowing that you came from Michigan, disc golf, Wyoming, Grand Rapids area. I, I guess I would think of Waco as being a little bit more like you'd find in Michigan. I mean, with the mix of woods and then, you know, park some, golf. Yeah. Some park golf and such. Uh, do you think we should have 
more of that style or we'll call it Waco style or even just park golf or what you're used to. But do you feel like we should have more of that style or do you like the idea of some of these big monster courses, whether it's OTB or Portland or, or, or Las Vegas? I mean, me personally, I, I mean, I grew up on the park saw courses, so that's kind of what I'm used to. That's what I feel comfortable on. So personally, I like more of like the park style, like Idlewild or Waco or, even Northwood, like something like that's fun for me. And I guess I don't love the golf courses and the, uh, just the long open bomber roller, though, as far as you can five times on a hole type, uh, courses. Yeah. I think I, I heard a lot of sentiment about that at Waco. I feel like as Waco has matured over the last few years, the sentiment has kind of swung in Waco's favor. I, I don't think it was necessarily everyone's favorite course, years ago on the pro tour but now that we've seen a lot of other style of courses and like kyle says moving out to a lot of golf style courses people are starting to look at waco a little differently i think they're starting to enjoy the fact that like you said it's a sprint you know you need to shoot you know three ten downs on average just you know to win if not better depending on the wind and it, it people really like the excitement that waco brings that usually going into the last three holes there's two or three people always in contention. So I guess the follow-up to all that would be, is there any hole or holes if if they said, hey, you know what, Kyle, you're the champion. You, you slayed our course. You slayed the beast. And we are allowing you to change up to three holes on this course. This is a scenario I've just Ooh. literally made up. Ooh. But you're allowed to change any three holes on this course, whether it's where a tee or pin, fairway, whatever. Any changes that you'd make out there? Any particular hole where you're like, eh, I'd love to do this instead. The first one on the top of my mind is hole 15. You take that tee pad, you can move it back 50 feet and make okay. like that fenced in rail area, make that hazard row B and call it a par four. Like people can still get aggressive and go for a two, or you can play a chip, chip, easy birdie. But personally, I don't like that holes a par three just because most of the time it's going to be a headwind and it's just not, <laughs> you're not birdying that hole. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with I you. I, I mean, I don't think we saw it. I don't think we saw a single two on the weekend. I think, uh, Jen, I think someone you, got it in the tailwind round. Did James, James Conrad had a really good chance at it. I don't, I think it was maybe the second round. I don't know if he actually got it though. Um, and we'll uh, confirm. We'll confirm a second. I, I think it's a really good FPO hole. The way it is, but you're right. For the MPO players, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it suits you guys. It's just either it's just a little, a, it's too yeah. far, it's or just a little. A weird, it's a weird tweener hole. It is, yeah, and, and not shocking to see who did get the two, the pair of twos, or there were two twos on it during. Well, two they didn't wear two twos, uh, but they were wearing. Or they got twos on Saturday on our second round. Ezra Robinson, shocker, and Aaron Gossage. Okay, it was so okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you're right. There was only yeah, two of them throughout sense. the entire weekend. Of course, that's largely dependent on the on the win. Calvin Heinberg had a look at it from 25 or 28 feet yeah. didn't convert. So he actually did have a look at it. Do you feel like let's just say, as you, you, you just mentioned, back it up 50 feet. Could could somebody still get it there for the for the eagle or no? Uh, I think so. I mean, it sits, okay. what, 550? Is it five somewhere on there? It is. 550, 560. You're really checking our math here. Uh, it is 558 currently. So let's just call it an even 600. Okay. You back it up, call it yeah. an even 600. 
I definitely think with a tailwind, yeah, you could still attack for eagle if you really if you needed to, like coming on the stretch, like a perfect situation would have been last weekend. If there's a good tailwind, I think if someone needed to, they they could. Okay. Okay. Uh, so hole fifteen is one you would you would alter slightly, and I I don't think your idea or suggestion by any means is crazy. I think a lot of people recognize that as as a really difficult par three, and there there could be some changes to it. I mean, Nate Doss accidentally already called that area OB anyway. So uh, during <laughs> during yeah. one of the but honestly, and and I told him after the fact, he felt really bad that he didn't know that or he didn't remember that. Mm-hmm. I said it looks like it would be a natural like uh, an obvious OB like when you're on the course, yeah. and you're talking about players of this level to see that and be like oh yeah inside those stanchions or be like nobody would be like well that's crazy and like you said it and wouldn't be what he noticed was a lot of players throwing before it landing exactly. early or, or not going for it so and you you had a really speaking of 15 you had a really fortunate break on that hole didn't you did you go back and watch that because uh, yeah what happened <laughs> for sure uh there was to keep it simple there was a lot of headwind i threw my most overstable disc and it still turned over, and I was like, "Dang it, that's a four or five, and I'm, I'm out pretty much." And then I got the green flag, and I didn't know how, and I went up there, and it was a meter in bounds, so I didn't know exactly how. It just came back right at the perfect time and just went. I don't know Underneath. how to put that, but right under the fence, yeah, just mm-hmm. skipped right under it. Yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. We saw it on the on the on the replay in the broadcast a little bit. It was hard to see, but you could see it. I think it kicked off one of those uh, brick uh, pillars or the pillars that that the fence is connected to and kind of kicked back in even further um, because everyone was talking online and even the broadcast that it didn't feel like anybody wanted to win this, so to speak, because it was coming down to the end. You were seeing all the headwind. A lot of people were running into OB here or there, and they, like nobody could seem to really run away with it. Not necessarily nobody wanted to win, but nobody was running away with it. And then when you're right, when you threw it in there, I thought, oh, there, I, I think that's it for Kyle. Um, and then, but ultimately it kicked in. You, you got to keep going. It was a good, fortunate kick for you, and you were able to, you know, complete out the rest of the round with what? You went birdie, birdie, birdie? <laughs> I think so. I got birdie the a, last three. It's a pretty solid finish. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's what it took. Uh, were you watching? Talk about looking at your phone or the scores or whatever, or maybe with Cynthia or not, but were you watching what was going on and paying attention to the other cards? Yeah, yeah. I definitely mean, I first checked scores, I think, like, after hole nine, just to see where I'm at. I do that most rounds, where it's, like, halfway through, I'll just check what's happening. And then I think after that, it was every two or three holes, just to keep myself updated so I didn't play safe or do something dumb when I didn't need to. So talk us through 18, the contemplation or not, exactly what you were trying to accomplish. Like, walk us through pretty much every step of 18 for you. What was going on? So, I mean, before even the hole I watched, I was able to watch Adam putt on 17. They were, mm. luckily they had that timing right. So, and I saw that he missed that putt. And I mean, I didn't, that didn't change anything for me. I was, I mean, my whole game plan the whole weekend was just to go for it and land safe on the other side somewhere. But with the tail end, I noticed there was something slightly overstable and just throw it high and spiky and it's not going to go, it's not going to get too away from you, hopefully. So I mean, I pretty much executed exactly exactly what I wanted to. Uh, well, you, I was not say, a lot of people can throw high and spiky <laughs> and then and then get to a four hundred and sixty eight foot uh, target, so to speak, or in your case, four forty eight maybe. Um, so at no point, 
at any point when you had released it, were you nervous about it not clearing? Because that's that's the the I don't want to say the only mistake clearly, but that's the biggest mistake. Because if you don't clear it, you're guaranteed, you know, that you're going to be getting a four. Were you at all nervous when you released it? I mean, not really, but there's always like that little bit in the back of your mind that's like, oh my, what man, what if it doesn't get there? But out of my, I mean, like right out of my hand, I was like, eh, but two, two or three seconds in, I was like, it's fine. It's got, it's got enough forward movement on it that it, it should be all right. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just crazy to think how you were trying to close things out. Does it mean anything more or less or different that you did this from the chase card? Does that, does that, how does that sit with you? I mean, I feel like it just proves the point that it doesn't matter what card you're on. You could be on fifth card and still be within three strokes and not be out of it. So I think that just teaches me and should teach a lot of other people that just because you're not on lead card doesn't mean you can't win. Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, this was such a highly contested race and people were off to the races on Sunday and there were a lot of good starts, maybe with the exception of Adam, but there were a lot of good starts and it was truly felt like it was still anyone's game. And then, as you said, you just closed it out, getting 16, 17, and 18. Do you love those three holes as as closing holes just because they can be a little extra dramatic? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say 16 is a bad hole, but out of the final three, it's probably the – I'm not going to say the worst. Sure. But, like, in terms of, like, potential drama holes, that's probably the least exciting out of the last three, but it's still, like, not – easy there's still some ob there's still elevated basket with some wind if you miss it you're only probably losing one stroke but it feels that much worse being probably the easiest on the course yeah i was just gonna say i think statistically probably especially on days where there's tailwind that was probably one of the easiest holes to play did you switching gears just for a moment because i'm thinking about 16 17 and 18 but did did you at all pay any attention to the fpo round i don't know how the timing worked out and if if you were around or if stuff was over like did you pay any attention to what went down in fpo at all yeah, I mean, I I sat in the van. I was I was on my phone just watching the live, see what was <laughs> happening because I knew it was pretty exciting, exciting coming down the stretch. Uh, clearly, a heartbreaker for your teammate in in Ella Hansen. Yeah, um, yeah, wild. I mean, do you have any do, do you have any thoughts about how it all went down? Kristen chasing her down, Ella coming up a little bit short, figuratively, and and how it all went down. Did you have any thoughts on that? I mean. I guess my only thoughts is like, I guess that's going back to our point about the closing holes. That's what those holes are meant to do. They're make like, you already feel nervous coming down the stretch, the last three and they're not easy. Like you want one little slip up and you could be, you could be done. So yeah, I just think it shows how hard those final two holes are. It, yeah, I totally agree with that. So I think I said it on the broadcast as well, but obviously off to a super great start that you've had here in in the early 2023 season. What what does it mean for you to get off to that great start, especially as some have said within the media, and maybe even you've probably admitted it, you didn't have uh, a record-breaking year for yourself last year. Which I, I think is kind of funny. There, there's there's that mentality, but I'm looking at your, uh, your PDGA site, and you started out slow last year, but halfway through the season... It, you turned it on thirds, third, sixth, fifth, seventh, like sixth, ninth, like those, they're not, 
Those aren't bad scores. Take your time. I expect more of you, Kyle. I expect more of you. That, that's why I'm having it I on. I mean, I get it. Me too. <laughs> this is, as long as we don't, you know, end the season poorly, you're right. You you took your momentum from the end of last season into this season now. Does it, how does that set you up for the rest of the season? I mean, even 2021 and 2022, I didn't get off hot. And I uh, picked it up kind of in the middle of the year. So starting out well, it uh, it just it gives me some some real motivation to keep that going, and uh, it just it just is a good. I don't know, it's a it's a good progress checker for where I'm at, even at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, I know it's a pretty big question uh, overall, but it, do you have specific goals? Do you have things that hey, in 2023, this this is what I'm really aiming to accomplish or complete? Is there anything in particular? And does it change after winning I mean, my uh, an big, elite series yeah. already? <laughs> yeah. Let's say my biggest one was just to get back in the winner's circle. That was like my biggest one. Like, I don't care where, I don't care when, but I want that to happen. So now I'm here. I just, I'll just try to do it again and try to do it as many times as I can. I guess that's why everyone's out here, really. Yeah, it uh, it was so exciting how it all unfolded. And obviously, you know, I know we talked about all the different people that were in it, but did you feel at any point that oh someone else is has a better chance to make the charge namely because you started three back of of the leaders i mean yeah i knew adam was playing really well and, and i mean calvin was on lead guard you can't count him out anywhere so i just knew i guess i wasn't worried about them beating me i was just worried about i guess i wasn't really worried worried about much except myself Okay. Just I knew I had to do what I do, party as many as I could to give myself as big of a chance as I could have. Uh, thinking of the geography of the course, because I've been there a couple times, hole eight that Adam had aced, yeah. uh, there's a big backup always on nine. And even if you're playing nine, it kind of swings down a little bit behind eight almost, or it goes off kind of in that general direction. Yeah. Where were you? Yeah, it pretty much runs almost parallel. Yeah. Where were you when oh, uh, so. when that happened? We were we were in a backup on hole nine. We were, <laughs> I think the other, the card in front of us just had teed off and we were sitting there and we just heard um, a lot of chains and a lot of cheers. And I was like, I knew someone just either hit first available and threw it in or someone got an ace. So we all okay. kind of just like walked over, walked over to the uh, to the green, saw Adam running it down. So I was, I didn't know where he was at. I hadn't checked scores quite to that point yet. But yeah, that, that's, 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 he needed there. that. He was off to yeah. a really, really yeah. slow start. But I mean, if you're in Kyle's position, I can imagine you're thinking, if you haven't looked at the scores, you're like, oh, the leader just got an ace. <laughs> Great, that's going to make my job that much harder. But yeah. but obviously, with the way he had missed like the previous four or five holes, he. That really kickstarted his. Uh, I think he got a birdie before that, and then got the ace. Yeah, no? he had one birdie on one. Yeah. Okay, and that was it. I mean, it was a really. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. He birdied six and seven. Yeah. Okay. okay. I was he, did, say, he did get off to. I'm he, just thinking of the four pars. Yeah. Yeah. He hit everybody else's birdieing, and he wasn't correct. He <laughs> was off to a really slow start, and that the ace kind of brought him back up to speed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and which is interesting. So talk about that on. On both nine and twelve, you know, and, and this isn't anything new, but not only are there backups, but then you're forced at that point, hence what causes causes the backups, but you're forced to throw really kind of the toughest tee shots of the day on those two holes. So talk about kind of the, the backups and how you 
how how you got through them throughout the weekend. I mean, what what were some of the things that worked for you to get through those backups, or did you crumble after them? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in those backups, and especially for those holes, I just have to stay loose. I just I didn't want to sit down for too long. For I guess too long at a time, I was still sitting down, but every five minutes or so, I'd get up and just walk around and stay loose. Okay, yeah, it's it. it Again, if we're going to have tough holes, especially if there's a relatively easy hole in front of them, I think of hole eight. Uh, in fact, I think of the couple holes in front of it. Seven plays pretty quick and easy generally. Six plays pretty quick and easy, as does five. And so you kind of rush through all those holes, lots of birdies, lots of twos even, and then you get to hole number nine and you're like, oh, uh, you know, you're pumping the brakes pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know yeah. if there's a way to ever like, I mean, alleviate probably, that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you probably get to the first eight holes and an hour <laughs> if that if, if that so you got there and then by the time you tee off and hold on it's an hour and a half so you're there for 20 minutes at a time yeah it's uh and i think that's inevitable for some of our really wooded holes where just players hit early and you know some of these holes that don't take uh take all of three minutes to play uh all of a sudden you get to one of those holes and it's a 20 minute play just to get through and, it. Yeah, after the 20, 25 minute backup. <laughs> and it, it makes it that much tougher. Uh, so I, I love to ask this question, but, uh, or so, is there anything on your schedule that's out of the ordinary? And, and part of it, I, I can ask that is because, like last year, we saw you play in Colorado at an event that you won again, I believe. I think you defended your title. Is <laughs> yeah, there anything out of the ordinary <laughs> on your schedule this year that someone would be like, really? Mine's going to that? And not necessarily in a bad way, but in a surprised way. Is there anything on your schedule like that? I don't I don't think so. I mean, I think it's all DGPT or majors of some sort. I don't normally I'll play like one or two like one off A tiers. I don't even think I'm playing any of those this year. Yeah, last year you had I mean, uh, for the last couple of years yeah. you've been playing in a few events in Michigan when you're home or or you know, yeah. on a, a little bit of a chill mode and you'll play occasionally at home, but that's not necessarily what you're planning on doing this year. Yeah, my home my home ATR is on the same weekend as uh, the Mid America Open. So okay, uh, and then, uh, I think MIO is like MIO is the week the week we fly back from Europe. I think or most of us fly back. So luckily, luckily Cynthia lives right where Mid America is, so we just fly and then we're there, okay. which is nice. Perfect, perfect. And then obviously that answers the next question that we always ask of everyone is, will we see you in Europe? You're registered for the PCS Open along with the European Open. And that, um, yeah. that's that got to be exciting. And, and I assume both you and Cynthia are going? Um, yeah, that's the plan as of right now. And I I know I am, and especially she is stoked to get over there for the first time. Because I was supposed to go last year, but I dropped the ball trying to get everything planned with flights and how I'm getting around, and yeah, I didn't. Do you I didn't have get your that passport? Done. Do you have your Inter- passport? I do. I do. Okay. Does she have her passport? I believe so. Well, tell her get on it now, because it, it it is always a pain, and it always takes a long time, and then you have to rush it, and then you're Avery Jenkins, and you're in Oklahoma, and you're making an eight hour drive to <laughs> to Chicago to the expediting place just to turn around and go to another city just so that you can fly out in time because you had to do something at the last second. So make sure you have all your all yeah. your ducks in a row, and you're good to go with plenty of time ahead. That's my that's my some of my fatherly advice yeah. for you. <laughs> Got that. 
Oh, I'll I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Good, young young man. Uh, and then also part of the weekend, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise to us, uh, come award ceremony, we were informed that uh, there was going to be an, another bonus on, on top of the pretty significant check, on top of the pretty cool looking trophy. Uh, what else were you given? Uh, one of I believe it were they tournament sponsors. Yes, or yes, were they just very much vending? so. Yep. Tournament sponsors, Komodo scooters, uh, big. An electric scooter, which was awesome. I didn't know that until we were walking up for the uh, for the award ceremony. I'm like, I get a scooter too. I don't <laughs> yeah, know what sweet. I'm going to do with this, but <laughs> I mean, here. do you have room for it with your travel in your in the in the vehicle? Is it? Can you break it down uh, and kind of? We're going to try it? to make. Yeah. Right now, it's in our it's in our friend's van. They said they have no problem taking it because they have a pretty pretty low storage as of right now, and we're we're working out room for it. Okay. Yeah, um, I got a message from your mother saying, I'm not storing that in my basement. And then I said, well, I'll, bu- I'll buy it off of him. And she said, sold. So she absolutely doesn't want it at her house. So good good to know you found a location for it. Uh, the scooters have become a lot more popular out on the tour. We're seeing almost every other van or, or RV out there seems to have a scooter that comes along with it these days, right? Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people have. I know I've had my little one-wheel thing for a couple of years. And... It's it's harder to use now, honestly, than it was when I was just traveling in a normal car. Because in the car, you just take it into a hotel and charge it. But with the van, I don't, I don't think our, uh, I don't think I think it's too strong to, to be charged by like the van outlets. Okay. So we're having a harder time finding somewhere to charge it. Okay. Well, I'll make the same offer I make to everybody <laughs> as if I'm ever at an event, and and you need anything that's in my hotel room, including some outlets. You're always welcome to to come charge up whatever you need to. Uh, I'm more than happy to help out. Uh, so, All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was just going to say, your one wheels, that's, I mean, those were an incredible fad that I'm guessing I don't think have really died, but I don't feel like I see them quite as much, so maybe that is. Uh, I, do, do you enjoy it as much when you do drive it or ride it? Do you enjoy it as much as you did from the first couple weeks? I mean, I have, I... Hmm. This is a no. It's it's still fun. It's just yeah, it's just I haven't ridden it in a while. I don't think I've ridden it since like preserve of last year. I think I was like the last time I ever used it. So, I mean, it's really fun. I, uh, I mean, like I I saw I tried some ones in like 2020, and I said I want one of these. So I just got one and went on the road with it. And then I don't know if you can see where to go here. Okay, sure. It looks like a little. Uh, oh yeah, the, the, the spot on your palm. Or no? No, it should it be. I'm wrist? trying to. Like, the camera's all mirrored. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to like. Get, there should be like a scar. Like. Oh, right. okay. Yeah, oh. yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. You see it? Yep. Definitely. And there's one on the top side too. So you spilled on it, is what you're saying? I did, and I had I got surgery over that off season. That luckily it's my left hand. Yeah. Luckily. But um. <laughs> yeah, I, I just have. I'm a little scarred. Pun intended. From uh, <laughs> from riding that recklessly. Okay. I, I mean, I could see how that, I mean, obviously they're, they're, mm-hmm. they look like a ton of fun. I've never been on one. They look incredibly fun, but they also, I mean, you need to know what you're doing and they obviously, yeah. look, like most things that are fun, incredibly dangerous that can go <laughs> along with it. <clears throat> what? Yeah. It's uh, a, it's, it's like a, it's a grass thing for me now. Not, 
Ah. I'm trying to stay off the concrete whenever I can. <laughs> good, good call. So speaking of your van and your touring plans, I feel like, I, well, I know a couple years ago uh, you were in a an, uh, a minivan that you had built out that you were sleeping in that, and as some a lot of our touring players do, but it was it was a regular old minivan. And yeah. now you've gone through a, a significant upgrade or two. Talk to us about about your van and what it all has. Uh, van, I mean, it's pretty much got everything you need. Uh, queen size bed. It's got a microwave, but you have to be like plugged into to, like a power thing yep. to use that. And then we have an air conditioner, like an AC unit, which I don't think I think one other person might have on tour which is something I never really thought that I would need. But now that I have it, I, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. I, I couldn't imagine going through the Midwest without it. So we okay. have that. We have fridge, oven, stove, lots of storage. I mean, everything you pretty much need. All built out and everything that you need. Now, are you guys, because I know everyone's a little bit different when it comes to this, are you guys okay with, uh, do you go to campsites? Are you guys going into like a Planet Fitness? Like what's kind of the strategy for when you guys want to get freshened up? Uh, Mainly, we'll either try to like find like people, like friends, hotels or Airbnbs, but most of the time we're Planet Fitness or... Okay. um campsites when you can't when we can't park like on site at the course we'll just be at a campsite and they'll have all that stuff there so what is you know you're only a couple years into touring obviously you've seen some successes you're also touring with a touring with a significant other what what would be your words of advice if if you saw somebody that's i'm just gonna say 18 they, they just got done with high school and they're like i'm going on the road what would be your words of advice to someone Make sure you have all your, I guess you said this earlier, make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Make sure you know where you're going. Make sure you have all your financials lined up because the last thing you want is to be out there and then we're out of money and you're stuck. So okay. that was, that was, that's my biggest thing is make sure, make sure you have everything figured out they need to because it's hard to just get up and go without figuring out what you're really doing. Okay. And so you're like pretty much mapped out in terms of Airbnbs, hotels, or, or, or maybe more so campgrounds and such. You're pretty much mapped out throughout the rest of the year for the most part. Is that, is that a yeah. fair statement? Yeah. Last year, we're, yeah. Last year we were able to figure that out for the most part. There's a couple new stops, but we've already, we've done some research and figured out where we can be and where we can't be. Do you have any horror stories of, you know, you were parked somewhere that you thought was legitimate? per whomever and then at three in the morning somebody's you know banging on your door or anything like that do you have any like crazy <laughs> stories like that you're too spot on on that one Terry. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. We actually we were at at glendavere at portland last year there was okay. us and then four or five other van people where it was like three or four or five o'clock in the morning and like everyone said they had like their car doors like their doors like pulled on in the middle of the night like people trying to get in and I know Cynthia woke up and she was like, someone just put on the room. I'm like, no, it's fine. No, it's, you're, you're dreaming. So then we just went back to bed and everyone else in the morning is like, did you hear this? Did this happen to you too? And we're like, yeah. So someone did try to, I guess, I don't know if they're trying to break in or just looking for like shelter or what. Yeah. But. Okay. Okay. That's like really the only, that's the only crazy thing we've had. I think I can, that I could recall. Well, knock on wood, hopefully that's the last uh, crazy thing that you have yeah, as well. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, 
just today, there was a news announcement, as Johnny's pulling up on screen. Maybe we can put those up on screen. I'm not sure. But there was a news announcement that uh, they were going to have a commemorative commemorative series disc out there, the Triumph series, I believe. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit about it. Johnny will put up on screen. So if you want to talk about what we're looking at. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're just like commemorative win discs for like, I guess, all the team members when they win or do something really important or win something. It's just a little, a little disc that says, Hey, congrats to this. And it's just a little bonus for us. And so yours is and, uh, the, what the, the, the midnight prowl two, as well as the yep. C line FD three. Yes. The FD three was the shot. My second shot on the whole 17. It's pretty much what I used to clinch the birdie on that one. Okay. Okay. So that was that was a really important one, and there uh, one's twenty three ninety nine, the other's twenty two ninety nine, or or you get the bundle, get the bundle, folks, don't f around for thirty seven ninety nine and save yourself five or six. That's bucks. that's a s- smart move. Yeah, that's a steal. Uh, smart that puts move. Money in Kyle's pocket too, so <laughs> we like that. So we we'll get back to Cheddar's uh, scale of one to ten. Where do you? I, I'm going to be totally honest. I love Cheddar's scale one to ten. Where do you put Cheddar's? I've only been there a handful of times, but I haven't had like a bad experience. I'll put it, I'll give it like an eight and a half right now. Okay. I, I, I can, I, I, can I really, I really like it. It's like, it's better Applebee's. That's the best way I can say it. Yeah. Namely because it's all fresh. Like they, they, it's, yeah. they make it mm-hmm. there. None it's of it scratch is scratch kitchen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yes, uh, very good. They, they are scattered throughout the country. So some people are thinking oh, what that, what that, yeah, this is not a paid ad for cheddars, although they could, they could easily, uh, we'd, we'd happily me. take them. We'd take gift certificates. We'd yeah. take whatever. Yeah. It, um, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I understand people will say it's a chain and that's fine. But you know what you're going to get, and it's pretty consistent, and uh, I, I've enjoyed it. So there, there's only, I think, two in Wisconsin that aren't near us. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan if I find them on the road from time to time. So, All right, Kyle. Well, yeah. is there anything, I mean, because you know we talk about everything random, but is there anything <laughs> uh, else that you want to share with us before we let you go here tonight? Uh, not really. I mean... I'm not going to say there's nothing exciting going on because everything's exciting on the road, but nothing new, nothing. It's I don't know. Yeah, you've got nothing the open, new as of right now. You've got the open at Austin <clears throat> this upcoming weekend, and then yep. obviously you're going to the 28th annual Texas States uh, or down by Houston. Mm-hmm. And yep. the, but these are both relatively new courses for the tour, so everybody's going to get a chance to see some fun new golf that you know nobody's ever really probably shown live before. So that's all exciting. Yeah, and then we'll be back at Music City. Blue Ridge is going to be a new event. Uh, looking at it, yeah, I'm excited for them. that one. I've yeah. seen that on coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what excites you about it in particular? It just looks it looks really cool. I watched. I think the collegiate things were there. Okay, last year, two years ago, I think it just looked really cool. Like the terrain looked awesome. It's like I guess it's on a golf course, but from what I could tell, it uses like everything that's not a golf course fairway. Okay. Yeah, so, so all the best parts. Everything around it, like roughs or the, and trees and hills and pretty much everything that's there. Perfect. All right, Kyle, this is your chance. Plug any social media accounts. Tell, uh, Remind everyone where they can go support you, whether that's the DIS or other places. Uh, plug all your sponsors. Uh, give, the, give the spiel for everybody before we let you go. 
Yeah, first, um, those those Triumph Series discs on DiscMania.net, if they're still available, they should be. Right there, yep. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're sold out. It doesn't say sold out, but I... I those are available. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, if they're there, go pick those up. Uh, DiscMania, and then all my own sponsors, Grip Equipment, Whale Sacks, Great Lakes Discs. And then uh, follow my Instagram, uh, Kyle Klein DG, and then check me out on YouTube. I only have two YouTube videos on there, but it's getting revamped soon. So be on the lookout for that. All right. We're looking forward to it. All right, everyone. We're going to let him go. He's off to a just truly a kick-ass start to the season, a fourth place over there at Vegas to open the season, a first place here at Waco. So uh, trending in the right direction for sure. Kyle, we thank you so much for being available to us tonight. Thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, looking forward to seeing you on coverage here in the next couple of weeks. So best of luck to you, pal. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good have night. Have a nice night, you. Kyle. You as well. All right, and Kyle also would like to shout out Great Lakes Disc and the uh, crew over there. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Sponsor. Oh, yeah. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right, folks. Uh, Good, good, good to talk to Kyle. And uh, obviously, there's been so much hype surrounding him. And we saw him, like, bust into the scene. We saw what he is capable of very early, going all the way back to the next-gen tour. um, Yeah, a lot of people forget that (laughs) that that's where he kind of made a quote-unquote name for himself. He, He was already a pretty good regional player in the Midwest, but... The the uh, the next gen tour really kicked it into high gear, and you could see from there the potential he had. Yeah, I met Kyle there at a in Crown Point, Indiana, was the first place I'd ever talked to him or I had met him, and that was in August of 2018, and he was 15, 14, 15, somewhere in that neighborhood. His dad had brought him to the event, uh, got a chance to meet him there, and then he'd go on eventually to win uh, the next gen. Uh, championship and get a pretty sizable paycheck, so on and so forth. And then obviously he's done great things. So he's a crush boy now, officially. Him and Eagle are the only two on the Discmania. Announce, uh, anoint you? How do? How, yeah, I, I, you just like get to throw in that. Well, like I'm here, so call me a crush boy. 
Or is there like an official like ceremony? I think there's a ceremony that it's a secret ceremony. Okay. And you have to go over to Europe to have it done. Oh, okay. So, that would make sense. Yeah. Well, either way, congrats to him. So with that, since we're already talking MPO, let's, uh, let's round out the top contenders here at the Waco Annual Charity Open presented by Prodigy. Well, as we know, Kyle takes this one down with a 31 under par, birdieing the last three holes to put it in gear, so to speak, and, uh, and beat out everybody else, including Adam Hammes. Who took second place by two strokes. Adam, as we said, got off to a really slow start when you really got to get all those birdies, and he, he just didn't. And he was able to kind of make up for it a little bit with his ace, but he could not close it out. Then you go down to third place. Cole Ridalin. God, I hate that guy. He's so young, <laughs> on, so talented. On. Just his whole life ahead of him. God. <laughs> Everything you never were. Everything I never was. <laughs> no, Cole Allen, probably one of the, you know, uh future stars in our sport. Just uh, amazing. He had so he has so much potential. He only had one par that entire round. <laughs> and he threw a bogey, a bogey and a double in there unfortunately. But uh, honestly just just kicking some butt and he's got a uh, as I said, a lot of potential shooting a 10 down. I mean, Anytime you can say that, you you know, you've tied Calvin Heimberg in general, it's probably a good weekend for you, which is what he did. Uh, Calvin Heimberg as well, tied for third at 28. Yeah, I'm sorry, 28 under par um, in fifth place. Kevin Jones continuing his hot season. He started out obviously really well at LVC, continues it. I had to eat a little bit of crow on the Skip Ace podcast because uh, I've been giving people suggestions on maybe who they can pick and who to stay away from. Mm. How's that working out for you? Um for the most part, pretty good. I had two. Oh, is that why I read a Kevin Do- Jones death threat to you? I, <laughs> Saying, well, hey, a hole. He said about me. Listen, he would never do that. Neither. He would just make an EDM song about me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> John, 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 you're gonna die. <laughs> no, Kevin. I said the two people, two of the people I said stay away from this weekend. Kevin Jones, Ella Hansen. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I nailed I, it. I nailed those two, but the other ones that I did pick, honestly, really good. Um, so, and if you want to listen to them, skipbase.com and, uh, skip Ace podcast. Like great picks. The other, no, the other picks were phenomenal. <laughs> Those were the two I'd really ate crow on though. The yeah. two of the ones that, like I said, eh, they weren't just like, oh, you, you, maybe you're right. No, no, no. They, yeah. they absolutely crushed it. Um, and then sixth place, James Conrad tied for seventh. Kale LaVisca and Maddie O. Kale was one of the people I said to pick because he always plays well at Waco. Now we're going to see how that continues going into the future years when they add the golf course to it, which is what it sounds like they're going to do. Uh, Nate Sexton, the Ageless Wonder, continues his Elite Series streak. It's at like 6,000 straight events, I believe, now that he's Mm -hmm. cashed at. Mm -hmm. Um, Tenth place, Joel Freeman, Bradley Williams, James Proctor. Um, James is having a really good season as well. He started out very hot in these first two events. So, again, I'm going to bring it back around to Skip Ace because we talked about him. 51% rostered in skip ace only half the teams or half the leagues have james proctor on someone's mm. team i scream value pick huh no he's he's pretty decently rated but he's finishing really well i don't know why no but i don't know why he wasn't on the team i think he had <clears throat> i don't know if he's touring the second half of the season um or at least it hasn't been announced yet but either way james proctor is kicking some butt so we're gonna move now over to the fpo field and we'll start in 10th place and work our way up from this one uh 10th place katrina allen one stroke ahead of her, Paige Shu, who was one of my picks. So Paige Shu uh, coming out after a kind of a, I would say, slightly disappointing Las Vegas 
event. Uh, her first event back on tour after, you know, taking a few years off. I know she's played a, a few small ones, but this is that was really her first big elite series. Um, and, and Waco is really just the event for her, honestly, because with Waco, obviously, you want to keep it in the fairway. And if it's one thing that Paige is very good with, it's a controlled shot. She's rarely ever trying to bite off too much distance. So Paige Shoe was a really good pick. Uh, Kat Merch in eighth, fifth place. Deanne Carey, Anakin Sten, and Haley King all tied for fifth place at eight under par. In fourth place, Sarah Hokum. Again, no surprise on a course where a large portion of it is carving fairways. You know, you want half that course where you need to hit a line and stay in there. And there's no one better on our sport right now, it feels like, than Sarah Hokum at doing that. You know, is it? I was just going to say, does it feel weird? Like, I don't feel like we even saw Sarah Hokum throw a disc this weekend. And then to see her, you know, come way out. And clearly she got the work done on the final round. I mean, she was. She shot five under on the final round to end up at nine under. But which more. Yeah, I was just going to say that there's a reason then because it more than doubled her her output. You know, she was four under. Clearly, if I do some quick math there, she was four under through the first two rounds and then comes out in the final round and then shoots a five under. And that's likely why we didn't really see her here. I think she was like just on the third card on the the top. She was on the third card, I think, because for a long time I was looking at her like, oh, she's in like ninth or tenth place. And then she just kind of kept climbing. And it was like, oh, wow, Sarah Holcomb finishes fourth place. Third place, Own Scoggins. Own, who honestly didn't have a great putting weekend, had a really good driving weekend. So the opposite of what we're used to seeing from Own, but she ends up in third place. Second place, Ella Hansen. Obviously, we saw the heartbreak with the bogey, bogey, bogey finish. The exact opposite of Kyle Klein. And first place, Kristen Tatar. Birdies two of the last three. She gets 16 and 18. A phenomenal birdie on hole 18 to clinch it and win. Now, Ella had, I mean, that was a rough finish. It really, truly, I I tend to stay away from this term, but it really feels like she kind of choked. And it's, it, it, and I only say that because it really felt like she lost control of her drive. It, she, on hole 16, she threw it nose up. I don't know if she thought the wind was going to push it and flip it over more, but she went OB to the left where I didn't see hardly anybody else go OB. She, it was way left. And then she takes the, the bogey. Hole 17, she has an okay drive. Ends up a little pinched off around the corner. Almost the exact same place that Kristen Tatar was last year when Kristen tried that same shot, caught the tree branch, and fell straight down. And... Ella did the same thing, but hers fell out of bounds, which was really hard to see on coverage. It was, mm-hmm. I think you had called it at some point, Terry. And then had a really good upshot to get there for the five. But, it, you know, that just, it, that is kind of a, a solid shot that she should have is that forehand. And she literally just sawed it off and, and caught that tree. Now, you, okay. you don't, because the water to the left is scary. It's, it's hard to go over there. She had, she had an angle. She just missed it. Yeah, and, and not that anybody wants to go OB, clearly, but the miss there on 17, which is so easy for me to say sitting in a chair thousands of miles away, but the miss on 17 at the green has to be deep, somewhere right mm-hmm. or deep, because then you're gaining all of that distance. Yep. You're probably not losing your disc, but you're gaining all of that distance, and you have a comeback, or there's still going to be a water's edge and everything, but you there's just there's a lot of room off to that right hand side. So if you're going to miss anywhere, 
and I understand it's so scary probably standing on the hill with a ripping headwind or any kind of wind. It doesn't even have to be ripping. But the fact that you're trying not to flip it over into the water where you could take it way back, you're, you're trying not to saw it off and go high and right, but you have to go deep or, or pin high and right. That's the miss. If you're going to miss, I can understand like you're ready to throw and you're about, you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to hang it out over the water and it should come right back (laughs) in. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, then you pull it right and you're, you're 35 or 40 to the right of the pin. I can understand that. That's kind of what you have to do or have to be playing for if if you do mess up. 100, 100% right. So, yeah, tough. And then hole 18, she gets up and it, it just felt like she kind of juiced the shot. Like she, yeah. she, she tried to throw a big power hyzer to get onto the other side, which I believe is her strength. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of debate on whether she made the right choice oh, for sure. of going over to the right or laying up to the left and then and then pitching onto the green, so to speak. But Ella's strength is her power shot, not necessarily her approach or her touch shot. So if she hadn't practiced that second shot on the layup, so to speak, the layup side, I think for her, the right move, and she birdied it one round, and I think she parted another round by taking the the over-the-water shot, we'll say. I, I believe that Ella made the right choice. She just threw either the wrong disc or she overpowered it with that wind. It flipped up. She knew it almost right out of her hand. You could see it. It went OB. And then she, you know, she she missed the approach. She could have at least tied it with a good approach. But she shorted the approach, much like Nate Sexton did, almost from that exact position. Um, I believe it was second round. He, he, he was almost in the exact same position. Tried to throw a forehand. It's a scary shot as well because you've got the water just to the left. <laughs> so, I mean, you can bail out to the right, but if you bail out to the right, then you're looking at an incredibly scary putt. And she just threw it into the ground. And so she only got to move up like 50 or 70 feet and still had, you know, a, a, a 40, 50 footer to go and put it under the pin or whatever. Kristen Tatar walks up to her 30 footer and cold as ice. No doubts drained it dead center there wasn't even a question i feel like she had a doubt for a moment but i don't know she squashed well, those doubts well she walked back it, the funny thing is she walked back to her bag to get a different disc and then didn't use and then it. didn't use it she yeah. grabbed the blue disc out of the bag and then just ended up holding it in her hand mm-hmm. and solid as you know solid can be solid i, as I think Tataris. she was thinking hey blue disc you just want to come along for the championship <laughs> hey well, ride? look at me win this blue disc <laughs> yeah. i didn't so, use you a lot so here you go blue disc um that's probably but, that's, but mean, anyway talks are harp probably talking about Ella. I mean, it's unfortunate what happened to her. I think she is. It just shows that she has a lot of skill that maybe including myself didn't expect her to have at this point because I didn't think she was going to able to kind of get through these woods as clean as she did. And she was, she did it. You know, she didn't rack up a ton of birdies, but I don't believe most of the women didn't on those holes. There were a lot of scattered parts. Uh, Alexis Mondahano and Holly Finley kind of went through those woods really powerful. Mm-hmm. Haley King did okay as well at the end of the woods. Nobody else really kind of powered through them. Uh, Tatar did very well on uh, four, five, six, seven, eight. But anyway, Ella's showing that her skill set is up there with the rest of these women that have played, they've been playing for a long time and that she is not to be, trifled with so to speak on a wooded course there's no questioning her anymore if if she can keep that up she's bound to win a few of these elite series events in the next year or two and i'll follow that up and say even more impressively the the 
what seemed to be somewhat of her crutch or her downfall in the first two rounds or what we saw of her was just being timid on a few putts, being a little bit shy. You saw that left side chain and out or just low and left side, just, you know, whether you call that an overcommitment or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, a follow through. I don't know. I'm not going to break that down, but she was left low and left. That was the consensus. That was the, the, the regular miss, so to speak. But when she came out and especially when she got the first four or five birdies, clearly, her putting was, it looked confident. It, it looked was, really confident. I mean, we're talking dead center chains, uh, good height. She wasn't limping anything in. It was it was a powerful putting stroke, and it was uh, it was scary there for a moment for everyone else. I'm like, she's, she's, she's going to run away with this. Yeah, she's, she is not <laughs> uh, going to just whimper away here at all. She's, she's going to make things happen. So, yeah, very impressive. Uh, the, the, thing that, the thing that killed me the most about... Ella Hansen is all I kept thinking in the background. It, it was heartbreaking to see her on the green, mm-hmm. the, the the way she kind of just crumbled. And then her, you know, as we saw, every, everyone has probably seen the pictures, three of her friends come over, surround her, give her nice comforting. Um, Kristen Tatar came over and talked with her afterwards and just everybody was comforting Ella. And all I kept thinking, and this might be just my business side brain. There's only two people on the sky team for Discmania. It's Kyle and Eagle. Ella's gone on record to say that Discmania won't put her on the Sky Team until she wins an Elite Series event. And, and now, whether that's going to stay that way, whether they have standards like that, whether they'll make exceptions, I don't know. But she was asking the offseason about that, about being on the Sky Team. And she said, when she wins an Elite Series. So all I kept thinking was, not only did this mm. win cost her a couple like a th- couple thousand dollars, a thousand or two thousand dollars on the actual course yeah sure other but, implications that went along but with all it. the other implications sure and and i think maybe i don't know if she was thinking that i don't know if that was in the back of her head if afterwards if all that you know that build up just thinking about what you can get like look at how kyle wins this and he gets two discs mm-hmm. and he's going to get a cut of those uh sales he's going to make how many ever thousands of dollars hopefully off those ella's missing out on all of that still now granted she could win the next one and whatever sure it's tough right now to win though in fpo kristen tatar didn't play great and she still won Paige pierce at some point is probably going to turn it on at some point in the season we saw katrina allen already having a pretty good season like she did at lvc getting to those positions is not easy so the fact that ella missed out on this opportunity could literally cost her six digits depending on when she can get on the sky team, which I think she will at some point, but yeah. it just depends. Is it going to be this year, next year? I don't know, but and maybe it was wrong for me to be sitting and thinking that as I'm watching it no, for her. I mean, there, it's a real it just, world implication that it, a lot of people don't necessarily think about I, I, Six digits might be a high guess, but maybe you're spot on. I don't know. I mean, think I about it. It depends on when, like when said, she, gets, she on. gets over the, the hump or like, does pick if, up. a win. If she doesn't sure. get onto the, the team until next year, that could be six digits. Yeah, maybe. It, it, if she, like I said, if she gets on in two weeks, three weeks, you know, kind of no harm, no foul. I just, it killed me inside thinking like, oh my God, this could change your life. Literally, this win will change your life. And, uh, and she didn't get it. It's unfortunate, but. Yeah. Kristen doesn't think it's unfortunate, but I bet you Kristen does, but she doesn't care. <laughs> She's like, oh, that sucks for you. Yeah. Look at my trophy and my scooter. <laughs> 
Congratulations. A hard, hard fought battle among both of them or between both of them and the rest of the field. As you said, when you're seeing uh, Paige Pierce not in the top 10, you're seeing Katrina just barely creeping into the top 10. And then you're seeing some names that you don't necessarily see, like all just kind of, uh, I don't want to say flopping around uh, all over the place. Like, yeah, it was an incredible battle. And uh, Waco proved yet again that it can provide some of this excitement and drama. It's so funny how this year, and I know you said that it feels like the vibe kind of the tune is changing or not that people hated Waco by any means, but the fact that so many people are really echoing that sentiment now, like we should have every every tournament at a, at and, a Waco like course. I, and I can understand. I mean, clearly it created for unbelievable Mo, drama. Ask Mo, Mo, who's on the board. Ask him how he felt going into that final round. Oh, he's I know. hating life. He, he's hating life because when <laughs> when you have in an MPO eleven players within what three strokes, two yeah. to three strokes, that's miserable for Mo. Yeah, but you know F, FPO. After round one, I know the control room kind of felt, eh, this is probably Tatar's to go with. And then she tanked the second round, which brought everybody else in it. And obviously Ella had a really good round, but it's uh, it's getting very difficult to win an FPO and MPO for that matter. But Yeah, and, and just to be clear, when we're talking about Mo, uh, the producer of the show, uh, yeah, just the, the madness of where the storylines are, it's inevitable. At one point, Paul Uliberry messaged me during the final round, sent me a text message and said, hey, you should check out Joel's scorecard. Look what Joel's doing. Joel was playing phenomenal. Yeah, he Joel went, started like eight out of eight or nine out of the first nine I, I with think, an eagle. Yeah, nine out of the Whatever first nine with an eagle. It yeah. was a phenomenal. The problem was Joel was not in so any back. chance to actually make a run at the win. Now, of course, this is day two, different conversation in that you get a, a, a cart, I'm sorry, a camera on him because he's shooting one of the hot rounds, potentially a record-breaking round, different story. But we're in the middle of, <laughs> we're, we're almost in the middle of round three, and for Yuli to say, we, yeah, we're not seeing Joel or, or whatever he said, maybe he didn't say we're not seeing him, but he should take a look. And I was like, yeah, we covered that at the start of the show. We mentioned it. And now, unfortunately, it's irrelevant because even not- <laughs> if he shoots an 18 under, he wasn't catching. That just happened to be. And of course, it's nothing to do with Joel. It's just that was live TV for that day that an 18 under by Joel would have been cool for SportsCenter, even though we wouldn't have seen it. Uh, it would have been cool in, in a feather in his cap, but he wasn't going to win the tournament. And those are those are some of the things that I feel like so many viewers just don't. You can't either accept or don't realize. Yes, there's crazy stuff going on all over the course. You'd love to see as much as possible, but you have to be concerned about what the most mm-hmm. practical and story storyline is. And in that case, I I personally love when people who aren't in the control room are suggesting storylines for us. Yes, <laughs> yes. You, you should really you should cover. Do. You should really cover this. Why aren't Why aren't we seeing this? Well, well, you know, where's my buddy? I know he's like four down through six. You're yeah. Like, All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so. the, the other really cool thing we saw. Jared Stoll throwing mm-hmm. a tomahawk on hole 17, going up and over the trees, landing just inside or just outside the circle. Look, I think it was just just on the I believe just right, inside right, the circle. right on the edge of the circle there. And unfortunately, not able to complete the eagle, but a, a, a crazy throw in nonetheless. I didn't see really anybody else try to go up and over during the round. Now, that could have happened off camera, as we said. I don't know for sure. Uh, but nobody really 
tried it that we saw on camera at least not not from the tee <laughs> i know we saw one or two people i think we saw cat try to go over the trees yeah, did Macbeth do it in round one when he was pinched up against the right side or was yeah it, maybe where that was last year he tried it i know last year he, he went was out of position yeah he went uh, up and over but ultimately a really awesome shot i don't know if it was a thumber or a tomahawk so to speak uh, my guess is a thumber but I, I i couldn't say for certain yeah, that I don't know positively either as to which it was. But either way, incredible. And and somebody should correct me if uh, this is the time I'm wrong. I feel like we've seen people try that in years past. I'm talking over the duration of the last five or six years that we've been at this event. I feel like we've seen that. Now, clearly, the trees grow up more. The wind is 100% uh, a factor there. Uh, and so, I'm not, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Jared. I'm just saying that has been tried. I don't re- even recall the success rate on it. That has been tried in the past, but I believe uh, absolutely a few, incredible. I believe a few years ago, maybe it was even Simon that tried it. I, I I don't recall for sure, but I think someone went deep in the water, and I believe I've seen someone get caught up in the trees and then just walk up like. 20 feet and have to throw around because if you don't make it you either re-tee or you're pinched up along the trees and there's no way you can do it so yeah and just think and, and mo who's on the board brings up another great point as he's thanking the cameraman he said some cameraman noticed like he was lining up the shot they had the wherewithal all to film it and uh because jared was on like the fourth or fifth card mm-hmm. i think he's saying and there's not necessarily a ton of you know, they might have been waiting on a backup, and there wasn't necessarily a ton of uh, uh, emphasis being put on that card in the first place. So the fact that a cameraman noticed the potential craziness of the shot uh, and then ultimately recorded it so that uh, back in the production booth could even grab the shot, like all of that is incredible because we all know the other story is Jared went up and over and he birdied it and we didn't even see it. I mean, yeah, that could have happened on the fourth or fifth card, mm-hmm. especially on the final day. Stuff like that's going to happen. So the fact that we even got to see what we did, obviously it would have been so much cooler had he converted, but uh, you got to think that's just a ton of pressure. I mean, the tap in birdie is awesome, mm-hmm. but a ton of pressure to then convert on try that. To, try to convert on the eagle after that particular shot. Yeah. Certainly. So, uh, Yeah, so uh, is that everything on, on the MPO? No? MPO and FPO, yeah, we've okay. talked about everything. Uh, the the other big thing, and as always, uh, there's there's almost a little disclaimer check mark here that we are not privy to and or make any formal decisions and or uh, have all background knowledge and and we'll keep our postulating even at bay. I won't. But <laughs> but yes, many people, not all, not some. Not a few, but I think many. I think many is an appropriate term. Many people experienced some form of staggy, st- staggering, stuttering, cutout, buffering, s- buffering. Some some form. Now there is a little bit of conversation as to what devices, and it's funny because I've some some people I, have posted. They'll say I was watching it on my computer and I had it on my phone. The computer was great and my phone crashed. I've seen that. I've seen the opposite. But there definitely was something that was uh, awry during the last couple of holes. And understandably, there's a lot of frustrated people with that. There was. I think the DGBT kind of had to eat a little bit of dirt online for hole 18. Because my understanding is that, and it happened to me. I was sitting on my couch. I was watching the MPO. Kyle was on the tee. 
and my 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 Roku, which I was watching it on my big TV, started to suddenly buffered and started to spin. Now, the first time it happens, right away I think, well, this could be my internet. There's a good chance of that. Then it happens again, and I'm watching, start to watching online. You're seeing comments. It's happening to other people. What I believe, and I don't know, I again, <laughs> I, we're not involved in any of the conversations yet, is that it feels like there was a sudden influx of people towards the end. People wanted to see this really tight finish, and the CDN Vimeo probably had an issue with that. A and large spike a, in viewership? A, a large spike in viewership, because okay. my guess is it probably went up 500, 1,000, 1,500 people in a relatively short amount of time. Okay. That's my guess. That's your guess. That's my guess. I, I don't know for sure, but that's what it feels like to me. And now, I mentioned to somebody else online, I said, there's a really good, because someone had said, is it all the people with their cell phones on the courses? And I'm like, no. No. You can really see where the, the breaking point is. If you are watching and the camera gets a little blurry, but the score, the, the scores stay crystal clear, then it's on the ground. That's the camera signal coming in. I noticed that the scores were getting blurry and the camera was getting blurry. That's probably an issue with either with with either your internet or Vimeo. If you go online and you don't see anybody else having a problem, it's probably you. If you go online and you see a, a you know, couple posts about how the DGN in 18 is failing again, blah blah, blah it's probably DGN. Now what I will say is DGN is aware of this. DGPT is aware of this. And they care. They care. There are talks behind the scenes. And again, I haven't been involved in them. I haven't needed to be, thankfully. It's not not my thing. Um, but I know they're working with Vimeo. I know they're talking to them. I had heard that it is getting all the way up to Mr. Rainwater. So when it goes up there, something's being done. So I, I just... And it's, and it's, I can't tell you just, you know, sit down, relax and wait. Nobody wants that. You're paying for a service. You want it to be quality. I get that. And I, I can't fault you for that for anybody. Can't fault anybody for that. So, it, but I do want you to know that they hear you and they are working on it. I don't know the right answer. I don't know if it's going to get fixed because if it is a, an issue, let's play pretend it is an issue with Vimeo and there's, and they're, their you know cdn which stands for content delivery network if it's getting overflowed by these whole 18 surges i don't know what vimeo can do i don't know what they have access to in their data centers what i do know is that it can't continue to happen from dgn's perspective either and if there is not a solution from vimeo i feel like and and there's going to be another alternative at the, some point then you almost you may have to go back to final round youtubes because youtube is built to i mean if 1500 people suddenly log into youtube they call that 303 p.m. Yeah. like it's just it's an it's a regular thing vimeo not the same it's not built for that type well it is built for this but it it might not be prepared for those sudden big surges i know the dgn is also looking at getting off of vimeo or at least researching options i've been involved in some of those meetings and i can't say much but i do know that their talks are happening but i i I know that they're on vimeo through the year 
At least that's what the contract is. There, there could be a, it, anything can happen depending on what goes on behind the scenes. I don't know what to say. I can't tell you sit tight and just hope. I understand if you're frustrated. There, there's, there's no question about it. You have the right to be frustrated if those are the issues. And that, that's where, that's where they, that's where they stand right now. I, I wish I had something more positive where I could tell you, like, oh no, it's just well, this, and we're going to fix it. It doesn't. It, my big takeaway. It doesn't feel like it's on our side, and so it makes it much more difficult to fix. One of my biggest takeaways, as I'm being brought to the airport by Nate Doss at three thirty in the morning on Monday, is he doesn't bother with social media, which I don't blame him. Uh, I'm flipping through and have flipped through a number of comments. I don't get into all of them anymore, believe it or not. But you know, there, there's clearly this large frustration that's being noted, and and really. You know, you learn how to roll with some of the punches. Like you said, sometimes you, you're in the wrong or something doesn't happen and you just own it. But I, I cannot stress this enough, and please tell your friends, this golf network does care. They do not want it to happen. None of us want something like that to happen. Disc Golf Pro Tour, Disc Golf Network, the event, the event that works so damn hard to put on an event, and I'm sure the TD unfairly probably received some heat for it. Ryan Draper and Joey Harrell probably at some point got a message and said, oh, your tournament was great till it cut out on me, which has nothing to do mm. with them. So I, I just cannot stress and I'm not just being an apologist or a spokesman. They don't pay me to say this. I'm just telling you they absolutely do care. Like that's that's berserk and bizarre and crazy and ludicrous and, and everything else. If you think they don't care, there's the, the comment <laughs> of, well, they have our money. They have no reason to improve. We started with one effing camera in 2014. One camera. Mo says you're wrong, and he actually goes out of his way to ruin people's days. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, then send all messages to Mo at... No, so that's my point. I, I, I get it. You're saying, I don't care. I don't want to hear, hear excuses. I'm not giving you excuses. I am assuring you, though, that it is serious, and obviously they care. N- none of us. I don't want... Somebody to I, I get messages. That's I, why I say I, I know the TD does because I got messages. I get tons of messages too. Was great until like, this happened. I, I'm sorry, that wasn't me. I kept yeah. talking just like I always do. I just yeah, you don't talking. shut up. And to be honest with you, clearly because of where we are in Bend, you didn't notice. I have no idea that's even happening. Like no idea. So, and what it, what it looked like from the the very small sample size that I talked to people. I have a fiber connection here in the office, here in my house, and which is a very high speed. I think I have a gigabit up and down. High fiber. You know what that does? Ooh. <laughs> anyway. Um, and it's also what's called very low latency. So the connection is very fast. Um, you can have a, a high speed connection and have high latency as well. Well, this isn't a fiber is low latency. So mine buffered, but came back really quick. Mm. And I think that has something to do with it. So if it does have a problem. Your internet, your personal internet connection speed might can factor can factor into how long it takes to reconnect. Because I heard some people say like it went out for me and it didn't come back until like after his putt. For me, the 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 buffers one to two seconds. It spun and then it connected back up. And I think it did that three times. But so I didn't personally miss anything. You know, I think it buffered once when Kyle was on the tee, and then it buffered when we watched something else, and then. As I think Adam Hammes was was walking around behind the tee, and then it was good. And I think a lot of people logged off after uh, after Hammes had had thrown, and they knew he didn't put it in. So what, whatever happened, but I do believe that also has a small factor. And again, 
not blaming you for having if you're if you're on your 4G or 5G or your coax connection, whatever that is, I get it. Shouldn't happen. I'm just saying that I for some people they might have gotten the connection back faster or maybe not even noticed a connection issue depending on servers and whatnot that happening in the background. That's really all I think we have to say about it. There's not much more we can kind of talk about. I, I, we all understand things are being done. Think people are being talked to. I guarantee it. Yeah, and and I'm sure someone's going to write a blog tomorrow and be like, Terry and Johnny were just on there, you know, defending, defending the DGBT, oh. carrying water for the them. Frustra- <laughs> yeah, we understand the frustrations. Uh, Again, uh, they care and they're working on it. And that's what we can say about it. If if I ever had a day off and could watch disc golf, I'd be frustrated too. Anyway, speaking of frustrations and watching disc golf. Oh, no, Terry. um, I do not know this gentleman, nor more importantly, did I pay this gentleman. Come on. But today. You're uh, you're greasing palms, aren't you? Somebody with a YouTube channel. And of course, you only put so much stock. I say it all the time. If if you're going to ignore the haters, you can o- you can only do so much with the people that applaud you as well. But someone today who has a a very um, thought out angle and perspective had made a post or made a video, in fact, a full video, and I I, I was pointed to it, and he went on to talk about um, how he really does enjoy Nate. Doss's commentary. So and, so do I. Which is a surprise to many of us. We all get it. You like this person. You I love Nate. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I get all that. But I mean, this is this is not just like, oh, I like him. He's good. Like, there was some long, really particular points that he made. I don't want to say long, but there were some very elaborate points that he had made. In full disclosure, he also made some very kind remarks about me and the work that i do which i appreciate but uh you know either way Terry's i can't I, yeah. <laughs> somebody sent it to me and said how much did you pay this guy honestly <laughs> that's that's how it was sent to me today um I, and i don't have his channel directly in front of me but it was just an interesting take and perspective and really i i then wrote i said hey thank you for the kind words i wish my kids liked me as much as you do and secondly i i do want to just say as a side note to it because he was talking about various commentators, what he likes about uh, Philo or Ian and Nate and Val, whatever. He was talking about all of us. And I did say in the comments, I said, a lot of people don't realize and understand that essentially Ian and I have the same job and the rest of the people are color commentators. I, it, it, whether you like me or not, I, don't, I am not supposed to be doing the same thing as Nate Sexton or Nate Doss, or Philo. Like, we have very different roles, and I think way too often people just say, well, commentary, and they throw it all in together, and just just know that. Now, I think it gets a little more blurry, probably. I don't know how Jomez and, and Gatekeeper and those guys, like, kind of officially, if they do define their roles when it comes to uh, their commentary teams in any more formal sense, but from our perspective, I am the host of the show. I'm to open it up and hopefully tell you we're in the right city. I'm to throw us to commercial. I'm to give you the basic play-by-play. And the color analyst, whether that's Philo or Nate Doss or or Nate Sexton, they're there to do what they do and provide that. And I just feel like it's a distinction that's worth making that a lot of people just don't understand. They, they kind of throw everybody together under one umbrella. And so for what it's worth, myself and Ian are your play-by-play hosts and 
that's something just to keep in mind. And even the gentleman that posted, he said, I never thought of it that way. I, you know, again, he said a lot of nice things. He had some very legitimate criticisms uh, of Nate and I, which I fully take and I'm all about. But I do think that that's just kind of something to think about in general for people. I really felt, and Tim Kortz exactly brings up what I was going to say. You didn't have nearly enough puns this weekend. Eh, sorry. I, I, I do expect at least one every nine holes. Okay. Or, or Okay, there's room or, for improvement. Or like a mediocre dad joke. I, I probably had one or two of those in there. I'm sure you did, but I don't know if it was as frequent. I mean, they're, they're kind of interchangeable. Mediocre dad joke, pun. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to be hammered with them. The subtle ones; those are the ones I think you really need to you need to you need to up your game, Terry. Okay. So I mean, until I get yelled at, it sounds like I need to do more. I don't think I said anything too incredibly stupid this weekend. So there's a no. The stupidest thing was Nate when he said the OB thing. That was really I mean, and that's a that's a mistake that can that can happen. Yeah, I'm not faulting him for it, but it was just one of those. He already sees enough criticism to then just have this be like the fifth year in a row and it's never been OB. And then he kind of is like, no, that's OB. And it's like, it's never been OB Nate. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I get it. It just feels like it should be. Yeah, I a hundred percent at the whole, I a hundred percent agree about it, what's in front of you. It looks like it should it be. It looks like it should be. And you know what? Next year it probably will be. And then it'll, everyone will be thrown off. Yeah. And it's just, it, that was honestly the worst, probably the worst thing that was said. And that is so minor in the grand scheme of things, which he even joked about the next day. I think he made a joke on round three about him saying it was OB yeah, versus. Yes, he did. And, so. uh, okay, yeah, yeah, the dumbest thing. Thank you, Ryan. I see. I knew I just had to ask for it, and you guys would point it out. The dumbest thing I said was we were on seventeen in I think the morning of Saturday, Saturday morning round mm-hmm. two during the FPO. It was with Val, so it was either round two or round three, and they were coming around seventeen. And I said, "Yeah, that that driveway." Like heading toward the water, that, <laughs> that that pavement driveway heading toward the water boat ramp was nowhere even remotely like in my thought. And I, as I was saying it, it felt stupid. But the the idea of boat ramp, which is exactly <laughs> what I'm familiar with, at no point entered my brain. And of course, it didn't take long. There was a post I saw that said, uh, Terry, the thing that leads down to the water, that, that's what I, we call boat ramps. <laughs> and so, of course, I had to bring it up and, and correct myself and said, well, any idiot would know this is a boat ramp over here. But yes, that was easily, yeah, probably the dumbest thing I said this weekend. So uh, It's all right. Yeah. Everybody says dumb things. Nah, I remember seeing my first boat ramp. <laughs> I've been in boat ramps. I used to go fishing with my dad. I know what a boat ramp is. It was. All, it's also the most stress. One of the most stressful parts of the weekend, right? Is, is, is putting like, the boat in. Is, is getting the boat usually back on. Getting it in is the easy part. Uh, putting back, the boat on back on. It. You got to line it up just right. You got to know how far to pull in. If you want to see some how wet, do you want to get like, some really funny YouTube videos? Look at like. Boat, boat, ramp fails. boat ramp fails uh, people yeah. trying to back them in and end yeah. up like just backing their whole car in you know, my or... dad was so good at like backing up the car and or the truck mm-hmm. or whatever and making that happen but it was always a little bit stressful about yeah and, and then wet, using the winch and yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah you're definitely going up to like your knees to get yep. the boat up i'm 100 mm-hmm. i've been there yeah so anyway that's a, that's a welcome to midwest boys yeah where... we're, we're talking uh bait and tackle uh, <laughs> our next guest is going to be adam hammis he likes to uh go out into the wilderness and do uh woodsy we're, things we're bringing on uh, tom jenkins who used to work at mercury marine yeah they make the He'll best engines 750 horsepower <laughs> something or other motor anyway 
All right. Uh, wow. I, I feel like that's a lot of the topics from this weekend. Uh, the only other thing that we are uncertain about, again, because that's above my pay grade, um, we, we did see another iteration uh, this weekend of Tournament Central. I really do love the idea. I think they're working on exactly what that show needs to be and what they want it to be. I also don't know if I'd ever be involved if I'm on site like Brian was this weekend when he was a uh, the sideline uh, fill-in reporter guy. Um, yeah, if you have any questions about Tournament Central, talk to Mo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mo's in control of that. Did, He's probably hanging. He, he, right now, he heard me say that, and he turned off his computer. Um, <laughs> and, and again, like everything else, I feel like it all takes some time. There's clearly some hiccups. There's clearly some challenges. And I think it's a matter of just working into the right flow of what that's going to look like. So, <laughs> Mo, good night. Good night, Mo. He just posted good night, guys. Tournament Central, it, it's it's getting better. We, we saw the first iteration uh, at LVC. Nobody loved it. There There's a lot of things to improve. We saw... This weekend, at one point, I believe it was, I forget the gentleman, Charles uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan, sorry, Dylan and Liz. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Liz wasn't on the rest of the weekend. I don't know if it was a previous obligation or, or what was going on. So Brian stepped in and a lot of people love it when Brian's in there because Brian is a natural speaker. He's on site. He knows what's going on. It's real easy as a guest, as a host to just throw it to him and let him talk because he's good at it. So it really makes your job very easy. The problem with that is I. I don't think that's what necessarily the show wants to be is just, Hey, Brian, tell us about this tournament. Um, because they do want to have things like highlights and a little more in, uh, in booth analysis, not necessarily Terry's booth, but you know, the, Mm -hmm. the fake studio booth. So I believe there's still a lot of room to grow with this. Be patient. Again, look at how Smashbox started. Look at this show. We're, 446 episodes in and we suck still we're still not even on time <laughs> um but it was worth it for the malts we were like a minute and a half late mm-hmm. so give it time it, it might you might think it stinks for another three or four or five weeks i don't know you may maybe they find a really great way to, to do it maybe brian is the answer maybe brian's temporarily maybe charlie comes in maybe terry comes in maybe there's someone maybe mo goes in and does it i don't know Come on, Mo. Get in front of that Mo camera. Mo know a lot. Mo- everything. 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 No. It'd be a good idea. So, so anyway, it, we'll, we'll see how it grows and develops and exactly what the uh, overall goal is with it. But, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, Ryan Pester says JVD should host the show. No. No. Probably not. No. Not a good idea. I, I, th- I think I would be mildly mediocre. Yes. We need the Goog. That's who we need to bring in. The Goog. Bring in the Goog. Um, Dust says I volunteer as trib- tribute. Well, I I would like to tribute to you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, and Andre not returning uh, again. Those are all things that we don't know about. We I would just simply want to give a little touch in on the topic. Obviously, it was talked about uh, throughout the weekend. Also talked about throughout the weekend. Before we get into the after show, uh, <laughs> fair or not, right or wrong, we have a pretty set routine uh, when I go to. I'll talk about this in the after show. Does it, yeah, this doesn't. This, this sounds doesn't like a, this sounds it, like after it, show it, it fodder. Is more after show fodder. Uh, I don't know if you got anything else here, Johnny. I'll I'll make a quick plug here as I'll do in the after show because I had gone to Thailand 
which I don't know if I told you all about, was effing phenomenal. Yeah, you uh, mentioned it multiple times. Yep. yep. Uh, because I went there, I wasn't able to personally cover the action that took place at the Maricopa Open, which broke my heart. However, I was able to get a cameraman there. We got three rounds of coverage, first, second, and third round. That would make sense. We got all three rounds of coverage, a feature card, and then lead card of MPO. It's all fully edited. Today, MPO feature card round number one dropped. It's out there. It's on my channel. Go out and watch it. I, I Come on, what else are you going to watch this week? We have like two or three days before we get to the Austin, right? So you can watch all the preview tournament videos that are some of our players put out. Sure, sure, sure. But if you want to get caught up, Maricopa Open is taking place. That was, I think, one of the earliest it was. It was one of the earliest tournaments where AB was throwing Discraft. Uh, Adam Hammes is there, Aaron Gossage, Andrew Marweed, some of those guys. So Speaking of AB, today was ratings update day. Oh. And Terry, you don't need to go on your ratings rant. Dang it. So just shut up. <laughs> but Anthony Brella did jump into the 1040 group. I believe he moved up like I think he was 1039 or 1038 before. He's at 1042. So we have another person above 1040. I don't know if anyone dropped out uh, of the 1040 group right now. That includes uh, at 1040 above Matty Orem, Kyle Klein, Gannon Burr, Calvin Hyber, Chris Dickerson, Anthony Barella, uh, Eagle, Andrew Simmons from Plano, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Richard Wysocki, Paul McBeth, and Manabu. So we are seeing more and more players kind of work their way up into the 1040. Uh, the only other thing I, I have to say is uh, some people are asking, what is Ricky's plan for this weekend? Is he playing? We don't know. I don't think anyone knows for sure. I know he wants to. I would say just keep an eye on his social media, and you'll get more of an idea there about whether or not Ricky's wrist is in a condition that he feels comfortable to play. Ricky Wisaki? Wist? Ristaki. Wiki, yeah. Wisty? Wrist wonky? Ricky. Wrist, wrist wonky. Wristy Wisaki. I don't know. No. Ricky Wrist wonky. Either way, uh, congrats to all those people if your ratings thingy went up. And while I'm on it, I will talk about right now. I'm just kidding. Uh, what I will quickly say, though, is I managed to finally renew my PDGA membership for the 28th year. Uh, I did time. it recently because I hadn't played in anything yet and just hadn't gotten around to it. And I had to do so because I'm already late in posting information about the Skyline Classic. I know a lot of our viewers are, in fact, Midwesterners. Some of you come and play in the event. I posted it yesterday, the fact that uh, registration will open on Thursday. So to give you guys a couple days heads up, one person last night I posted and said, hey, because what I don't want to do is all of a sudden, uh, you know, be way behind and then post registration. Then everyone's like, I had no idea it was coming. And that's totally fair. Hence, I was giving the heads up. Oh, no. I like I think you should make it a surprise. <laughs> just, just out of nowhere. Just out of and nowhere. Like three in the morning yeah. on a Tuesday or something. Yeah, makes it fair yeah. for everybody. Um, no, but what I did get was an, a message this morning that said, hey, as I said, it would probably be 7 p.m. on Thursday. I'm kind of planning on that right now there'll be 288 total spots over the two days we should be able to accommodate quite a few people anyway someone messaged me and said hey i'm on a plane when registration opens can you change the time and date (laughs) it's It's not you don't know unless you ask and i'm not making fun of them but no not at all no, I'm not changing the time or the day what? because you're on a plane because i just think if i push it back a day to a friday will 20 people be on a plane what would you recommend? Yeah, that, that, I don't know. Because it, let's just play pretend that someone is on it. Like I said, someone's on a plane. They really want to play. 
I would recommend their friend gets their information and logs in for them. And you can and you can register other people for yes. for the tournament. Yes, so or that that's what I really meant. Pay, PayPal your, your friend, have him log in and do it. And if he doesn't, then you can blame your friend and not Terry. That that is what I would personally recommend. That is the least stressful to all parties. That is the most fair thing. I don't really want to take his money ahead of time or say, "Yeah, I got you," because that's I don't it's feel not like really that's fair. fair. Um, if I offered up some form of pre-registration for sponsors, that would be his best. Excuse me, that would be his best bet. Where you know X amount of spots are available early if you're a sponsor. Um, so obviously, if that was an offering, that is what he should do if he really wanted to guarantee himself a spot. But yeah, you need to you need to rely on a friend or your mom or your daddy, somebody to go out and, and get you registered. I understand the frustration. I'm, I'm not dismissing it, but no, I'm not moving registration for potentially 288 people to a different time or day because you're on an airplane. I've missed some disc drops due to that. You mm-hmm. know, very important disc drops. And important you know, ones. Yeah, yeah they're all important. <laughs> they're all important. To you. All your children all are important. important, right, Terry? So, <laughs> anyway, it is April 15th and 16th. Taking place at the Gray Fox and Silver Fox courses down in Kenosha County in here in Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin, just barely above the, the bad border, the Illinois border, just barely north of it into Wisconsin. Uh, you will play one round at Gray Fox, one round at Silver Fox. And if you really want bang for your buck on the opposite day that you'd play in my event, you'd also maybe be playing in the Prairie Open, which is almost sold out. So don't, don't go look for it now. But maybe you're already registered for that. And now you can get registered for mine. So two weekends or two days over one weekend, all within 30 minutes of each other. Ton of great golf. Let's wrap this up, Terror Bear. We're going to. I like it. Yeah. Wi-Fi on the plane is a little iffy. That's a good idea as well, Dust. Uh, Wi-Fi on the plane. It'll probably be pretty slow. I, I would trust a friend before I would trust Wi-Fi on a plane. Especially when sometimes you may or may not be able to get through a paywall and some other things that they may or may not block due to firewalls on planes. But anyway. Or maybe they're, you know, maybe you can't get the Wi-Fi because there's snakes on a plane. Or because the plane you're on doesn't offer Wi-Fi, which is still a thing here in 2023. And more than likely snakes. a few planes that don't even have it, let alone it being broken. Or snakes. And with that, we're going to call it. Uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight. We got to thank Kyle Klein and all of his gracious supporters and sponsors who uh, jumped on and showed up tonight. We appreciate you guys all for tuning in. Again, thanks, Kyle, for joining us. For Johnny V, I'm Terry Miller, the Disc Golf Guy. This is 466? 446. 446. Now I'm really losing it. Uh, this is Smashbox TV Podcast 446. We're going to have to have an after show as soon as we get done with this. We'll see you then. We step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 